The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you really know the connection between your teeth and the rest of your health? Did you know that problems in your body can affect your teeth and vice versa? If you have silver fillings, what could they be doing to present a toxic environment to your system? Welcome to the Tooth Body Connection with Dr. Dawn Ewing. In this program, you'll learn about precautions and safe practices in order to keep your teeth and the rest of your body at safe and healthy levels of life. Now, here is Dr. Dawn Ewing. Hello, I'm Dr. Dawn Ewing. I am uh, the Executive Director for the International Academy of Biological Dentistry and Medicine. I started off in dentistry years ago and got more drawn into medicine, thought that I would enjoy that more, and I was drawn back into dentistry because of a unique individual that could show me that the teeth really could affect the person's health. I am really honored this week to have that individual with me, Dr. William Glaros, who has been studying biological dentistry for quite some time. He was a past president of the International Academy of Biological Dentistry and Medicine. He's also a member of the International Academy of uh, Oral Medical Toxicology. He is a a board-certified naturopath, and he practices ozone in his office. He was also chosen to be interviewed by Dr. Joe Mercola when he was doing an interview on Mercury. So I am really pleased to have this individual with us here today. I'd like to introduce Dr. William Gleros. Thank you very much, Dawn. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me how you got involved in this world of uh, mercury-safe dentistry. In 1984... For various reasons, I stopped placing mercury fillings, and I had patients that would come to me and say, oh, you know, you must know the protocols. I didn't know the protocols. I just knew that I didn't want to place mercury fillings. So I had me become a student, and the first, my first mentor was Dr. Hal Huggins in Colorado Springs, who uh, helped teach me that there's more than just getting the fillings out. So if somebody is looking for a mercury-safe dentist, um, would they do their homework first or would they just pick up a phone book? Well, nowadays you don't even have a phone book, so just go through the computer. What would you suggest? Well, the next hour we're going to be talking about questions to ask a a dental office as you're looking for a mercury-safe dentist. Um, it's, It's like so many things. The client, the patient, has to educate themselves before they can make the best choice for them about what they're looking for in a dentist or in a, in a practitioner. So that would be aggravating for some practitioners for the patient maybe to know so much. But it's important that the patient empower themselves 
to have this information so they can make the right choice. Not every dentist is prepared to do mercury safe removal. And that's exactly right. Okay. Um, so what's the big deal about mercury anyway? If I have a silver filling in my mouth uh, and my dentist tells me, oh, don't, don't worry about it. That's not a mercury filling. And that's an amalgam. I cringe. Um, it's very helpful to know that a mercury filling and what's referred to as a silver filling or what's referred to as an amalgam filling or a combination of those, a mercury silver filling, or what they all refer to the same restoration. And it's that silver-colored metal filling that's composed of 50% mercury. 50%. That's, that's the majority of the filling. So why don't they call it a mercury-silver amalgam? That, um, because they're, not inter- they're, they're more interested in covering up the fact that it's mercury. There was a time when the American Dental Association discouraged dentists from even using the word mercury, talking about a mercury filling because it was implying to them and their stance falsely about their favorite product. So because here in the United States we have the FDA who is supposed to protect us from things, you would assume that this the mercury in this filling is, is, is safe. So, so what's the problem? Fortunately, the American Dental Association... Although they support the use of, of the amalgam filling, the mercury filling, they they cannot get they can't get by saying oh mercury is safe, because it's not. Mercury is the most toxic, non-radioactive element on the planet Earth, and there is no safe level of it in the body. And mercury fillings are continuously releasing mercury vapor, of which we are able to keep about eighty percent of. If somebody swallowed the thermometer from a mercury, they would probably keep 20% of that and excrete 80. But a very efficient way of breathing the vapors of mercury allows us to keep 80%, which is not the goal, but that's what happens. So if I have amalgams, which I don't, but if I had amalgams in my mouth and they were old, let's say they're 30 or 40 years old, what I hear you say is they are still releasing mercury into my body. That's, that's exactly right. Okay. Uh, are there any countries that have actually put a ban on amalgams or the mercury fillings? Yes. In 2006, Norway and Sweden made it a law that you cannot place mercury fillings in that country. Uh, later that year, Denmark did it. And uh, a couple of years later, in 2008, Germany and Austria uh, made rules and specifications that in those countries they could not place mercury fillings in a pregnant woman or any child 18 or under. Wow. And that is the same thing that the FDA had agreed to, uh, but they forgot. <laughs> they, they reneged on the agreement? They had it, on their, had it on their website. They had an agreement about what they were willing to do, but then it, within a year it was off the website and somehow... Mercury became safe in that period. I'm so, not sure. so I'm sure somewhere there's a lobby that is really pushing for this. Well, you know, I think it's interesting that there are times where I send a patient back to their primary care and I tell them that I feel like they're at high risk for mercury 
mercury toxicity. And the physician will draw blood levels looking for mercury, just like you would draw blood levels looking for lead. So um, they don't find it. Why is that? Well, it gets out of the bloodstream in about three days, probably max, and it deposits on the organs. Mercury is sneaky. Mercury does does not affect one organ or one system when, when one person is exposed to it. It's, let's look at another material. Let's look at asbestos. Okay. Asbestos is a great insulator. It was used efficiently and effectively and extensively. And the problem is that people who were exposed to asbestos often got a disease called mesothelioma. Yes, we hear about that all the time. The lawyers trying to jump on the bandwagon. Well, and any patient that gets diagnosed with mesothelioma is going to be contacted by attorneys who are going to be wanting to sue whoever the person was or the company was that's responsible for them breathing the asbestos. And they win those suits. Mercury seems, instead of always affecting someone like asbestos does, mercury appears to affect a person's genetic weak link. So somebody can be affected from mercury by uh, their immune system can be affected, their brain function, a fetus in the womb, a nursing baby, liver function, thyroid function, and on and on. Yes, we we, uh, did an actual show with Dr. John Trowbridge about the effects of mercury toxicity. Um, But, you know, what I'm interested in, I I realize that now your office is, is mercury safe. But certainly you went to a dental school here in the United States and you had to have learned to play some algums. Um, tell me about when you made that paradigm shift. Well, I unfortunately, um, for the same reasons that mercury was used in the first place and is still used today, which is relatively inexpensive for the dentist and relatively less expensive for the patient, it's easy to use and it lasts a long time. And because I, in my naivety, thought that if the ADA said it was fair and good, it must be good. And that's what you learned to do in dental school. It is still the standard of care in dentistry to place amalgams. Insurance pays better for amalgam than it does for composite. Is that true? Yes. Okay. So I I know my own experience. Uh, I am an alumni of the University of Texas Dental School went down and I was talking to some of the students and actually had someone from the school come over and tell me to stop talking to them about mercury being a problem because the students still place and remove amalgams without any protection for themselves or for the patient. So I I know at one point in time, though, there was a shift in dentistry where they changed from one kind of an amalgam to another kind of an amalgam that had different metals. And, And first off, let me stop right there, an amalgam, the, the definition of an amalgam. Can you please share that with us? When a material is amalgamated, it's a combination of the material. It doesn't make it, it's not like uh, sodium and chloride create salt, and, and, and you can break out the sodium and chloride. But an amalgam is, by definition, a combination of materials. So a mercury filling is an amalgam filling. It's composed of mercury, silver, copper, tin, and zinc. And the percentages vary, but the mercury is always available. Using using a Jerome mercury vapor sniffer is the instrument that's used to measure this. And it is always possible 
to measure mercury levels coming off of an amalgam filling. Okay, so uh, if I can recall correctly, at some point in time, dentistry changed to a higher copper amalgam, which would mean this, they had the same amount of mercury in the filling, but maybe the concept was if they had copper in there, it would help hold the mercury tighter. I, I'm not really sure what the rationale was for why they did it, but... Uh, oh, the ADA has a patent on that, on the high mercury, uh, on the high copper filling, pardon me. And it wasn't because they were worried about the mercury. The material, I, I used that product. It was more expensive, but I wanted to use the best material. And I did. And that was a bad idea because 50 times more mercury comes from a high copper filling that's polished than a one of the less expensive amalgamations of mercury. So that was a great material technically, but for mercury vapor release, it was a disaster. Okay. So for our listeners, if you have an amalgam in your mouth, a silver filling, you open your mouth, you see a dark restoration, the chances are it's an amalgam, and it has 50% mercury, which means that when you brush your teeth, when you chew, when you drink anything hot, when you drink anything cold that's acidic like lemonade, iced tea, coffee, mercury is coming off of that filling and into your body. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you ready for a real, fact-based show about alternative and natural approaches to health? Listen for Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Drs. Jim and Janine Fox. We're not about the latest health fads. We're about proven methods from real patients and real situations. Each week's show is an eye-opening look behind the scenes of real health. Live Healthy, Be Healthy can be heard live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to the Tooth Body Connection. 
To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Don at drdon.net. That's drdon at drdon.net. Now, back to the Tooth Body Connection. If you're looking for a dentist that can provide mercury-safe practices, I'm going to encourage you to go to our website, www.iabdm.org. That's a great place. If you go to that website, you'll actually see our Facebook page. And if you go there today, there will be a list of questions that you would like to ask an office to make sure that they follow the protocol. And if you're interested in getting in touch with Dr. William Glaros, then I'm going to encourage you to go to his website. Bill, what's your website? Biologicaldentist.com. Okay. Um, you know, when we're talking about amalgams, there's this odd policy that, of course, the listeners don't know about, but those in dentistry do, that when you read the MSDS, the Material Safety Data Sheet, it is very, very specific about telling the practitioner, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. Put gloves on, don't touch. It's not because you're contaminating the material. It's because there's mercury in the material and it's absorbed through your skin. So then when you're removing this toxic element and uh, you're disposing of it, there's another big placard don't touch don't touch don't suck it up in the vacuum don't touch it if you get big pieces of it put it in a glass jar put water on top of it and then seal it and you have to pay for somebody to come get it so i'm confused dr Lars, can you explain to me if it's toxic before you put it in somebody's mouth and it's toxic for the practitioner when you take it out where is it safe there's only apparently one safe place let me tell you a story and this you'll understand this well I was, my wife and I were driving to Dallas, and I got a phone call from my answering service, and then I called the patient, and it was a daughter who was bringing her mother to my office next the following week to have a mercury filling replaced. But the mercury filling had, had fallen out of the tooth, and this, uh, this daughter wanted to know what to do with the filling. So she told me what she had done. She put on gloves. She put the filling material in a baggie and sealed the baggie. Then she put the baggie in a jar that had filled with water and the lid screwed on tight. She followed the rules. It was pretty impressive. But I wanted to kind of tease her a little bit, so I said, well, that's pretty good. She said, pretty good. I thought I did really well. I said, well, if you really wanted to do well, you would have put the filling in the only safe place there is. Back in your mom's mouth. That's, that's what's implied by everything that I read. It's toxic before it goes in the mouth. It's toxic when it comes out, and you've got to handle it a particular way. And so the assumption is the only place that it's safe is in the patient's mouth with their tongue rolling all over it and the saliva and everything that's going on. And it's just contradictory. So I would like to ask you a question, though. 
there are many offices that advertise that they are mercury-free. Now, mercury-free to me simply means that the dentist has made a personal choice not to place new amalgams. Maybe not even because he knows that they're toxic. Maybe just because he's very interested in his patient's aesthetics. And so that's just a personal choice for them. So I always caution people to shy away from that term. That What they'd really like to see is that the office is mercury-safe. What makes your office mercury safe in comparison to an office that just simply refuses to place new amalgams? Give me some ideas. Well, there's different degrees of being mercury safe also. Uh, A dentist that uses a dental dam that uses a lot of water and and high volume suctions who... um, has a separate nose piece for their patient to breathe in the air, breathe in uh, controlled air. Those kinds of features are a start, and, they're, and I encourage anybody who's not doing those things to do those things. And that could be called mercury safe, but then the next week when that guy starts doing compatibility testing of materials, he'll be mercury safer. So um, every biological dentist that I know has some special elements that, that they believe in and practice more of. So I think there's different degrees of mercury safe, but there's some basic elements, which I just mentioned, uh, that, that are just prerequisites to be called that. Well, I, I often, I actually have a, uh, a mask that is a special mask that the practitioner wears and the assistant wears during the amalgam removal process. And I have that in my office to show people, look, the dentist should be so careful about what he's doing. You're there for, what, an hour having an amalgam removed? But he and his staff are there for an entire day, day after day. So if they're not taking precautions on themselves, then they certainly can't be taking the precautions for the patient. I hear what you're saying. And from my perspective, anyone that would continue to place mercury fillings now is not using the same rules that I am, the same logic that I feel like is so clear. Uh, I think it's possible that somebody could take care of a patient but not themselves. Uh, But how, how could you, I mean... From my belief system, you just you don't do that. You 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 don't you take care of everybody, and I am amazed still in dentistry. I don't want more rules and regulations to be guided by, <laughs> but I want our profession as scientists, as caretakers, as as doctors, to make good decisions about the quality of care that we're giving. So I hear you say that there are different levels of mercury-safe offices. So if you're going for a higher level and we are considering the environment, what protections would a mercury-safe office take for the environment? There are mercury separators that cost about $750 and install maybe $1,000 for a whole dental office. Those can be placed on the system. They will reduce the mercury that's flowing out of the dental office that's been that's the result of it having been removed from a patient. And placing the filling is easier to control than drilling the mercury out of a mercury filling out of a tooth. So this this separator attaches to the suction of the office 
and captures, reduces the mercury leaving the office, varying some places, some uh, uh, sources say 50%, others say 85% or 90%. Otherwise, if you don't have a separator, the mercury effluence that leaves the dental office goes to the sanitation, water sanitation department, and then they send it back to you as tap water. Well, or we end up with fish advisories. I know here Lake Houston has a higher mercury level, and I do know that there are certain cities that have mandated, like in Portland, Oregon, mandated that dentists have to have mercury separators in their office to try to reduce the amount of mercury that gets to the fish so that when we consume the fish, we're not taking in mercury. I was interested to read that San Francisco Bay... The fish that come from that that San Francisco Bay are are not edible because of the mercury content and other toxins that are in it. So anybody who's eating fish that that they caught in San Francisco Bay is is just loading themselves up with mercury. Now I know that uh, in California they're supposed to have a placard in a waiting room saying that the air quality in a dental office exceeds what is supposed to be a safe level for for mercury exposure, um, which is really supposed to be for a pregnant woman or an infant. Um, Are there devices that can go in the office that would help scavenge the air quality so that the receptionists and the people sitting out in the waiting room, is that something that's done in a mercury-safe office? Yes. There's different elements to pay attention to. The vapor is one, the mercury vapor, and the offices that are practiced in by the doctors that I know and believe in and work with have the vapor ionizer, which captures the mercury as a positive and negative as poles, and it captures the mercury, and that can be cleaned. There's mercury filters in the office, which are conventional-type filters with the... With the uh, Barriers that need to be cleaned after they're used. Um, it's and then of course if you don't have a uh, a vapor a uh, mercury separator, then the room is going to be more laden with mercury because the systems aren't taking care of it. So these mercury separators and the mercury vapor collector, you said these can be cleaned. Now, is this something the staff cleans, or is this something that a special person has to come in order to clean those? No. The staff can do that, and only recently have uh, have I remembered or thought about the fact that they need to be wearing their mask that they wear when we're removing mercury fillings whenever they're touching anything, and I asked them about that, and they told me, yeah, that's what we do that. They do. Okay. They, they do that. Okay. And then the mercury separator needs to be sent off. The mercury is captured in there and doesn't go into the affluent some part of the uh, exit of the office water. It's, it's collected in a container? It's collected in a container. And we send it once or twice a year, depending on how it fills up. But we'll send it to a uh, facility that will that will um, dispose of it in a healthy way for the environment and people. And they have to send us back a receipt and an acknowledgement that they did it that way because the dentist is responsible for the 
toxicity of the material that he makes in his office. And since it's amalgamated in the dental office, the dentist is responsible for the affluence, excuse me, for the affluence and their systems. It costs uh, between $150 and $300 a year to, uh, to, take, to send it off and have it be uh, to the licensed disposer of it. And they, uh, there's no reason not to do that. We're speaking with Dr. William Glaros. He has a great interview on uh, Mercola's website. You can certainly go to Dr. Glaros's website as well and probably watch that interview. Um, we will be returning shortly, and we're going to start giving you some ideas of questions that you would want to ask and some of the answers that you would like to hear when you're calling different dental offices to see if that would be a safe place for you to have your amalgams removed. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Transformational healing includes energy medicine as well as hands-on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to the Tooth Body Connection. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Don at drdon.net. That's drdon at drdon.net. Now, back to the Tooth Body Connection. Yes, this is Dr. Don with William Glaros, and if you would like to get in touch with Dr. Glaros, you can go to biologicaldentist.com. Today, we are discussing how you would find a mercury-free dentist, and these are not just opinions. The protocols that are designed by two organizations are based on science. 
They are to protect not only the patient, they are to protect the staff and the environment as well. And we've done a good job about clarifying the difference between being mercury-free and mercury-safe. Let me tell you, if you have a genetic flaw called MTHFR, which a lot of people are much more aware that they have this flaw, your body tends to hoard mercury. It becomes incredibly important for you to find a mercury-safe dentist that follows the protocol. And if you go to our website, iabdm.org, and you go to the Facebook page, you will be able to download the questions, share them with individuals, like us on Facebook. We would love that. So we're actually going to get to the meat of the program and get to some of these questions, as many as we can, that you would like to ask a mercury-safe office when you are querying the office, interviewing them to decide if this is the place you're going to trust for your amalgam removal. Yes, and Dawn, um, I would want to add to what you said that getting it out of the body is the key element. So one thing that a biological dentist would want to do, a mercury-safe dentist, would want to be sure that you were working, that the patient was working with someone to help them detox, to get rid of the toxins that they have in their body and not just have the toxins go from one organ to the bloodstream and go to another source or another part of the body, but to be working with the practitioner who can uh, give them the proper nutritional support and uh, uh, detox to uh, to come out of the other side healthier. So... Uh- Preparing the person for amalgam removal is not something that the dentist does. You're saying that they should be networking with a naturopath, a chiropractor, an MD, a DO, someone who can provide those other services to them. And then the chelation, like we talked with John Trowbridge a few weeks ago afterwards, that's not something that the dentist does. It can be if the dentist chooses to use his time and energy for that. I like that for my patients to work with the doctor they've been working with. I got you. confidence in them they know who they are and it's not a the protocol is not a secret and there's some different degrees of different different ways to do it but um that's what we recommend that people do so removing the amalgam stops a source it doesn't tap into what's in your body and and remove it so but if the amalgam removal is done not following protocol the risk is that you could end up with a higher level of mercury in your body, and that's what we're trying to prevent by following this protocol. So if a, if a doctor is following a mercury-safe protocol, his receptionist should be well-versed and tra- trained to be able to answer some questions. This is not necess- You're not expecting people are going to call and ask to speak with you in order to find out what you do. In your office, can your receptionist... Is she qualified to answer most of the questions that we have spelled out here? She can, and she does. And often they will refer them to someone in my office who's particularly skilled at each of these issues. Uh, and then we, they make an appointment, and then they get called back at the appointed time and can have a full discussion with someone in the office who does have that skill and has, knows those items. Okay. So I would think number one question would be, does the office use amalgams? What, yeah. would, what would you like to hear for that answer from the office? Well, you would like to hear 
That's a great question. I know Dr. Schmo has not used a mercury filling since X, or <clears throat> I have not placed a mercury filling since 1984, personally, or professionally. Okay. So that's a good question. Uh, and you know, the questions that you ask are best if they're open-ended and not yes or no answers to the questions. So I want to make sure that your dentist doesn't use mercury. Oh, no, he doesn't. Thank you. Then the next question, uh, does he, he doesn't use mercury filling materials, right? That's right. Does he use composite instead? You know, you're asking questions that are, anybody can answer, but if we're looking for the truth, we want to ask open-ended questions and let them fill in the blanks. So if you're, uh, you have the ideal office, they don't just have one kind of composite. They actually have choices. That's another mercury safer place to go rather than just mercury safe in our office and other offices that I'm very familiar with the doctors will have the patient use some form of dental material testing to get the best idea that the material that the dentist is placing that he technically likes is going to be biologically acceptable for the patient and none of the testing methods are guaranteed slam dunks but for people that have sensitivities, people that have uh, different degrees of, of poor health, it's, it's much more critical that you have an idea what material technically works well, but also would be more suitable for the patient biologically. Now, you mentioned earlier that a patient uh, in your office would experience using a dental dam during the amalgam removal process. Now, I know for a fact that the mercury vapor still goes through the the dental dam. So can you explain to me why that would be used? I used one of the Jerome mercury vapor sniffers 15 years ago, 20 years ago maybe. And at that time, the dental dam material was not latex. It was latex. It was a rubber dental dam. And... The second highest place to find mercury vapor using the sniffer was underneath the dental dam. In the patient's mouth. In the patient's mouth. Now, if, they had, if it had not been placed, they would have had a higher level of mercury vapor, and they would have had all the particulate mercury, which also releases mercury wherever it is. So they would have had that also to deal with. Today, we know that non-latex, which is certainly the the standard of care in most uh, medical dental offices, but the non-latex does not let the mercury pass through the same way. So there is an advantage, a considerable advantage in having the non-latex dental dam. And most of the gloves are non-latex also, so the stack, because that was where we found the most, the highest levels of, of mercury vapor was under my glove on my right hand. Oh, my. Okay. Um, so when you're talking about particulate, which I heard you say, I don't know that the average person knows what particulate is. Well, as I mentioned particulate, I'm talking about the, the pieces, not the vapor that goes through a mass, that goes through the through dental dams, but we're talking about the, the particles of mercury. In the removal of mercury, one of the mercury-safe protocols is to remove the material in chunks and to not put a diamond burr on there and grind up that whole mercury filling from inside somebody's tooth into little tiny ground up pieces. The goal is to 
get it out as safely and quickly as you can. And so that's best done if a small burr is used in sections or quarters of the felling material. And practice helps a person get more adept at getting big chunks out. We love it when we hear those big chunks going in the suction, getting ready to go into the filters, <laughs> and, and not just the filings. So the, the particulate um, is more like an aerosol that actually has some matter to it with very small pieces of the mercury filling. So if it touches your neck or, or skin, that it would release mercury by, through absorption. Yes. Okay. And, but it's, I would not say it's aerosol first. It's, it's a larger, larger, than an aer, larger than a typical aerosol. That's the vapor that we're worried about. And so you had discussed using copious amounts of water on there. So it makes sense to me if you were spraying water on the mercury filling while you're removing it, that you would just increase the splatter all over the place. So, so what is the principle behind using, is it to reduce the vapor or is it to try to wash out the filling? One, it keeps it cool. We know that mercury, when you heat it up, tends to release at a much higher rate. So one of the reasons is to use the, uh, the copious water spray is to keep the temperature down. Plus, we have two different high-speed suctions, one on each side of the tooth. And there's not, we don't visually see splatter. I don't see splatter on our clothes. We drape the patient, and I don't see the silver splatter on patients. It's there microscopically, and it's there. The particulate is there, but we don't see the slurry discolored water, all that's in the suction. And we continue to spray after we, after you think you've got it all out, then you do another 15 seconds of spray because you haven't gotten it all out. So the, the patient has a drape on. And do you all wear any special clothing other than just uh, your regular scrubs when you come to work? We have getting mercury safer. I'm getting mercury safer every month since I've been doing this. And over the last couple of years, we've started wearing a jacket, a disposable jacket that, that we fit over our clothes, over our uniforms, over our scrubs. And when we finish the restoration for the patient, we remove all the barriers that we have for them. And we can put those in our glove and hold it, hold it in the glove and take our glove off. And then we've got it in a relatively sealed environment rather than dumping it in the garbage. That's if you add up all the all the small amounts of it, it's significant. But if you think about, oh well, we just we just we just got a little bit here. It's not a problem. It's always a problem. We're concerned about every speck, every element that we can think of. So I hear that the regular dental schools, which you know traditional dental schools, don't teach mercury safe removal. So a dentist is going to be obligated to come out on his own and have to go through additional training. And hearing some of the things that you're you're telling me would require that they would have to have different materials on hand, and there would have to be things that are thrown away on a regular basis. Am I to assume that mercury safe removal would cost more? than just going to my regular dentist who would accept my insurance and just grind that amalgam out and put a white filling in. It's not a, it's not a guarantee that a biological dentist fee will be higher than a traditional dentist, but overall it's probably so. Uh, and the fees that biological dentists charge are, I have never seen or known of a biological dentist whose fees were higher than the traditional dentist who had... Half fees. 
But, but certainly if the patient can justify why he's going to this dentist and paying a higher fee for that procedure and hearing what all is involved, it would make logical sense that the fee would have to be passed along. I know insurance is not going to pay for this kind of procedure to go on. They will not pay for these added, you're right, for the extra care for the Mercury Safe protocols. They will not do that. Um, but that's, uh, that's why you want to educate the patient. And when they call the office, they're going to be asking questions that are important to them. Some people, the fee is primary, and some people, it's a very secondary element. And we, want to, we don't want to see people that don't know what they're going to get when they come. So before they come to the office, we want them to know all the things, most of the things that we're going to be doing, many of the things that we're going to be doing. And we want them asking a lot of questions because I have the best patients in the world because they, they ask questions, and I love the questions. We're going to come right back in just a minute. After we take a break, we're going to be discussing where does a doctor go to get training to be mercury safe? We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to the Tooth Body Connection. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Don at drdon.net. That's drdon at drdon.net. Now, back to the Tooth Body Connection. This is Dr. Don Ewing. I'm here with William Glaros of Spring, Texas, who practices mercury-safe dentistry as well as biological dentistry. And you can go to his website, which is biologicaldentist.com. 
and get information about his offices, you can go to the website for the iabdm.org and go to the Facebook and you will find a list of questions that you can share with friends um, that will be very helpful for you finding a biological dentist, one that practices mercury-safe amalgam removal. The word of the week for this week is mercury safe. So if you call us on one of our radio shows and you use the word of the week mercury safe, we will be sending you a book and giving you some additional information on biological dentistry. I would like to ask Dr. Glaros where a dentist would go. Are are there accepted uh, academies or courses? Um, We already said that this isn't something that's taught in dental school. So it's going to be a postgraduate course. Where do they go? If it's a dentist listening to this show, what do they do besides contact our organization? Well, the International Academy of um, Biological Dentistry and Medicine uh, is the organization that is uh, that I work most closely with, so I certainly know that that would be a source for people to find biological dentists and to get training also. The International Academy of uh, I, I OMT, International Oral Medicine and Toxicology, is another place. They have great training programs. They have great research that they do. It's a great program. There is a, a dentist named Dr. Tom McGuire who's written several books, one of them, The Poison in Your Teeth. He has a training program, and he also is a great place for patients to go to get written documentation of the kind of things that we've been talking about today. Okay. Are there any others that they could go to? There's a limited list. Which ones are you thinking of right now? I'm thinking of the Huggins Gruby Institute, and uh, I know that Phil Malika has a, a college that's a several weekend course for biological dentistry. So there are some. If, if somebody is interested and they're listening to this show, feel free to email me. I will put you in touch with more places we could get you educated so that you could start. You wouldn't be in the same place that, that Dr. Gleros is in his office. It's a process, and um, I'm sure you have to start slowly in the beginning. Um, can you tell me where did you start when, when you started? You didn't just, you're not where you are now. Right. I, uh, when I stopped placing it, I mentioned earlier that I had patients saying, well, you know the protocols, you know how to get this out. I said, I know how to get it out, but I don't know any protocols. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but I started studying, and I first found Dr. Hal Huggins in Colorado Springs. Dr. Blanche Gruby is following up on the, the teachings of Dr. Huggins, who passed away in the past year. Uh, I, I joined three different dental organizations that had um, oh between 40 members in one group and maybe 100 in the other. There's not very many biological dentists in this country, which is puzzling to me. Um, but that's And then you just start going to courses, and half the courses I would go to would be about uh, biological dentistry, and the other half were about increasing my skills in traditional dentistry. So just overnight, you came home from a meeting and you said, I'm not going to place any more amalgams. Not exactly. I was, uh, in, the, in the early 80s, I, a material came out that was I made the composite that was suitable for posterior teeth. I tried it. I liked it. 
and I started offering patients a choice. Well, in 1984, it was October, my receptionist said, Dr. Clarence, you didn't place any mercury fillings this month. She said, probably because the way you you sold it, you didn't sell any of the mercury fillings. I said, well, I like what that says. I like what it says about me, and I'm never going to place another one. And I haven't. And so if I'm not mistaken, your office is actually even metal-free. Is that right? We don't do any metal restorations anymore. Don't have to. Okay. So the... The adage of a dentist saying uh, the amalgam is stronger than the composites. I'm much more interested in how long the patient lasts than how long the filling lasts. And those first composites, I had to apologize for. The composite materials that we have now, the fourth or fifth or eighth generation over the last 30 years, there's no apologies required. Studies done by the ADA show equal comparison of composite fillings to mercury fillings, how long they last. And certainly if they're not producing a toxin every second that they're in there, somebody needs to look at that in consideration, yes. which patients are very willing to do, and the ADA is not. Well, Dr. Glaris, I would like to thank you for being here as our guest this week. I want to make sure and let our listeners know that the IABDM has our annual conference coming up October the 8th through the 11th, and we plan on being in Nashville. We will have a course on biological dentistry as well as some other really good speakers that um, everybody can enjoy, and you do get AGD credit for those courses. Next week, I will be speaking on the meridians. And for those of you that don't know, I'm sure you have heard that you would give your eye tooth for something. Well, there actually is an eye tooth. There are four of them. And they actually are connected energetically to your eye as well as a couple of other organs. So I'm going to take the show next week and educate you about how that tooth-body connection that we deem so precious really does connect hardcore. And I hope to um, educate you so that you can actually pull out a mirror and start to number your teeth and figure out what organ is related to each one of those teeth. If you go to my my website, www.drdawn, I have a very detailed uh, listing of each one of the teeth numbers and all of the organs and parts of your body that are related to them. So make sure and be tuned in next week. We are the on the Health and Wellness Channel on voiceamerica.com. The International Academy of Biological Dentistry and Medicine is obligated to have as our mission statement educating the lay people as well as doctors so that they can learn more about the meridians, learn more about toxicity of root canals, learn about the toxicity of fluoride, as well as mercury and mercury-safe practices. So there really is a lot that goes into biological dentistry, and I hope that we enlighten you to make better choices for yourself. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week. We hope to see you next week. Thank you again for tuning in to the Tooth Body Connection. 
Please join your host, Dr. Don Ewing, again next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again about a healthy mouth and a healthy body next week. We'll be right back. 